0: Good morning. Wow, what a hearty lunch. <laughs> You've got to be crazy to be here this early. Um, so, if anybody... It's pretty simple. It's pretty early in the morning. There's coffee over there. You will not hurt my feelings if while I'm speaking you want to get up and get a cup of coffee. Um, you're more than welcome. I may even go over there and get a cup of coffee as I'm speaking. Um, my name is Murray Fingeret, and we 'll be talking about progression i 'm um, an optometrist uh, i 'm out of uh, New York uh, and look at you know this is a list of the consult my consultancies um, in regards to progression. Um, I have been involved in the FDA investigator for probably all of the OCTs as well as the uh, you know the HFA with a perimeter um, but please you know, uh, you know just be you know just take that in um, what I'll be talking about is progression for the next the uh, next few minutes and um, as strange as it sounds We've gotten diagnosis has gotten better and better. Let me just say before you go, let me I apologize for the size of the screen. I have made the powers that be aware that I will I am not pleased in sticking a screen about the same size I was put in my living room in a, a lecture hall. Um you know, and I wish it was bigger and I know and if anybody wants to move to somehow get a different seat because I know those over there, it's uh anyway i 'll do the best i can, and i so i 'm sorry for that uh, but so progression is one of these areas there as many advances have been made in regards to glaucoma diagnosis, the ability to detect progression is um, it 's still in its infancy it 's still developing. Um, and it's really amazing and and you know what's gonna happen is is that there'll be a pretty big leap but it's gonna take a while part of the issue has to do with the device companies and their incentives and part of the issue has to do with the FDA and the FDA is a funny animal in that all software related to some type of de- decisions has to be approved. And that approval process, that regulatory process is tedious, difficult, onerous, can take a while. Um, but the good news is, as, as we'll talk about, there is change that, that is coming. But. You know, the, you, know, the, you know, the idea of, of, of monitoring people um, for glaucoma, which is a huge one, is still, a, is still not that easy. The, and, and there are a couple of things that I'll, that I'll just review and go into uh, that are really important points. Um, you know, now that we have OCTs, and the OCT is a very important tool and been a great tool to detect, progression, what I'll explain, and an important point of the OCT is that it is not good for the lifetime of the patient. And, you know, people are under the impression that you pay, you know, a lot of money for an OCT, and you expect it to be able to good forever. And it's not. OCT is going to, as you'll see, it has what we call a floor effect, and it's going to be good for up until about the moderate levels of glaucoma. And then it will not detect change any further. Well, that's an issue, um, but that's the nature of how you know, now it may change, as I'll show a little bit. Um, but it, you know, using macula tests, and I'll explain that. But the OCT is good for the front half of glaucoma. But as people start to developing worsening glaucoma, that's where the visual field comes in. You know, I hear people you know all the time say, "I don't want to do fields." Uh, you know. Um, you know, reality is, you're really, you know, fields are still a crucial part of monitoring glaucoma, and there's no getting away from it. Um, for patients diagnosed with glaucoma or glaucoma suspects, you know, we, it, detecting change is important. It's not easy. Change can occur at any time, change does not occur at the same rate. For a patient, you can go. You know, so there are a couple of issues. One of the things I'll talk about when we when we say, well, when should you do the do fields or imaging? And the first point I will raise is that you want to front load tests. In other words, you know, you really need to have five either OCTs or visual fields until you can start using the full capabilities of the of the progression software. Five's a magic number, and it's just, that just is pure statistics. Um, the problem is how you get those, because the other issue is you know, there are probably about 10% of newly diagnosed glaucoma patients are what have been termed rapid progressives. They get worse quickly. You want to be able to detect those. If you're simply doing a field every year or an OCT every year, by the time you're really sure changes occurred, that people can be way down the road. So you wanna to try to do fields or imaging, front-loading, I mean, you know, I recommend, you know, on a six-month basis early on. Once you got five tests, which is about two years, you back off if people are stable. That's not to say people can't change later on. Then you gotta, you know, do them a little more often until you're sure they're stable. What do you, what do, you do when you see change? You modify the therapy, you add a medicine, you know, something like that. IOP in and of itself is not a good surrogate to know if somebody is stable. Um, You know, how I talk about target IOP, because people say, well, the patient's at the target IOP, how could they change? Target IOP is a guess, that's all it is. It is a guess, you know. You've heard people speak and say, "Well, good morning." Um, you've heard people speak and you hear they say, "Well, you know, if you, you should get it 30 percent or 40 percent." At the end of the day, how do you know somebody's at the target IOP? They're not changing. That's that simple. If somebody is stable, they're good. If they're and if they're not stable, they're not at the target IOP, and you got to um, modify it. The bane, the problem with all testing is what is called variability, and variability is a big deal. Um, and what variability means is that it's kind of like having a noisy scale, and you go in in the morning and you you know and you and you weigh yourself. And then you say, okay, you know, I'm a little heavy today. Let me go back and check check my measurement again. I, you get off the scale, you get back on, you say, wait a second. I just lost three pounds. Um, what happened? Well, that's part of the, you know, there are, you know, I mean, depending upon how good your scale is, you can get that type of, uh, you know, that variation. Well, in part, that's, you know, what you may see with either OCT or Perimetry, and more so with perimetry, and that's the nature and that variation of to knowing when, you, when you're there. For the most part, the tests, and especially OCT, have gotten better and better, but there are, there are a host of reasons why variability can occur. So when you first diagnose a patient with glaucoma, you want to stage the disease. You want to assess the risk for progression. You want to establish a treatment plan and then think about how you're gonna surveil that person. Um, but the ability to discriminate true change over and above measurement variability is a requirement for any progression technique. And progression can be measured either by structural changes, looking at the nerve, the nerve fiber layer of the macula, or functional changes such as visual fields or even electrodiagnostic t- testing to a certain degree. But you know, we, we're dealing with You know you have at the first exam or the early on the baseline you can say is glaucoma there or it's not that's the first thing then you go into the surveillance and that's where you're dealing with this issue of change and there's a certain amount of normal variation right off the bat with with nerve fiber layer unfortunately just as you're sitting here right now you're losing some nerve fibers not much but that's just part of the aging process over time you will lose that. You know the the question is how much. You know is it, uh, you know, a half a micron per year, one micron per year, you know, one two microns per decade, and that's something that's still trying to be sorted out. Though we do know that it's it's probably uh, you know uh, it may be as much as a half micron per year. And now that gets factored into a certain extent into the normative databases, and when you make the decision, but that's part of the decision making we all think about. The other thing, and this is a quote from Ted Garway Heath, and he said it years ago, but it's still pertinent. When you talk about progression, it's it's you know we often think about has somebody gotten worse? Well, there's more important point. How fast is somebody's getting worse? Because everybody gets worse. Everybody, as I just said, normals and glaucomas. What you need to do is look at and say, you know, what is their rate of change? How quickly are they getting worse? And is, is that important? And I'll, and I'll explain, and we have tools to measure the rate of progression, the trend. But I will stress, that's an important point. Understand their rate of change because the rate of change, you know, if, if somebody is changing very slowly, it's not that big a deal. So we, you know, we're starting to understand better methods to when people are getting worse. We we need to use fields and imaging tech, uh, technologies. Software is being developed, and we're starting to see it that incorporates both imaging and fields in the not-too-distant future. You know, in my lecture yesterday, I I showed an example. uh, I'm not going to. I don't have it in here now, but what happened was uh, using um, the Google artificial intelligence. A paper was just published um, in Nature. Which is you know, this past month? Which is a huge paper where they used they used machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, deep learning for a computer to an analyze. And this is we looking at uh, vascular disease. And they looked at thousands of photographs, and they learned the a computer learned the skill set analyzing photographs, and then looked at the test set and. They knew how old the person was. If a person had diabetes, if they had high blood pressure, if it was a man or a woman, um, a host of features, and the computer was able to get pretty close in almost all the features just by deep learning. That is what's going to happen with with progression. We're going to we, we're going to we're going to morph. Relatively quickly, and what I mean by quickly is it's going to take a couple of years. But deep learning, where you know neural networks using these these cues that we see in the different features, is going to be able to tell us where, um, you know, who's changing. As I mentioned, part of the issue is, is the FDA as well as the companies. The companies are scared that if they ever make A uh, some type of diagnosis, and it's incorrect. Um, You know, I mean, they're dealing with liability, and the FDA is 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 trying to cover as much as making clinicians better and aiding patients and and patient detection with this issue of they don't want to have again diagnoses made, but. And, and, and it'll, it, that'll, be, that'll work itself out. It's just going to take a little while. Here's an example of one of the changes we're starting to see. This is the guided progression for the glaucoma change, the GCC. With this, this is with the Cirrus. You could also do it with, uh, with the OptiView. Um, and we're even now starting to look at trends and trend analysis with these things. And as I mentioned, we have these combined printouts. This is an example for the Cirrus where you have the field as well as you have the um, the OCT. Right now, this doesn't provide any information more than relationships temporally where, you know, uh, Superior field loss, inferior neurofiber layer, but there's no additional or so-called artificial intelligence or using those, that type of information, but that's what's going to come because that information is there. It's just a question of coming up and showing that. Um, one of the really exciting things is, uh, you know, is, 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 is what we're going to see is this progressive meso- macular vessel density. Um, and the changes uh, and the changes there. What does this mean? This is OCT angiography, OCTA. Anybody have OCTA here? Okay, so a couple. Use it for glaucoma? Do you? Well, I don't know how you use it for glaucoma because I can't figure out how, how to use it for glaucoma yet. Right, you take it and you take a look. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... Um, You know, one of the things, OCTA, the the technology um, to look at, you know, so here's an example of the OptiView system and with the OCTA. And, you know, what it does, it it acquires these OCTB scans at the same retinal location. um, But just by the short time delay, you can tell the difference in the OCT signal looking at the sequential scans at the same location and that's representing vessel flow. Um, one of the really big breakthroughs, and we believe it's gonna be a breakthrough, is that recently, and, and I'll say recently, in the last couple of weeks, a swept source OCT was approved by the FD, uh, FDA. This is uh, Topcon's Triton. In that's even faster and faster, and speed is crucial for angiography, but the point of this is that when you start looking around the optic disc, now these are maculas, but we're really looking more around the optic disc, and what you can start to see is the change that starts to occur, and that's what this paper alludes to. They only looked at 14 months, but what they showed was that this is macular vessel density, but we're even looking at optic disc density, and we can start to see changes related to blood vessel uh, pattern loss. And it may turn out that those OCTA scans, that you, that, that you take them down, and there'll be software to use them down the road. And OCTA may may be one of the newer features to detect progression, because it does appear that it, you know, we're looking at the first um, validation that even in glaucoma, vessel change does occur. The, um, so part of the point I'll talk about, as I've said, the best method to detect progression varies upon the stage of the disease. Early mild to moderate, as I said, it's gonna be the structural tests such as, such as OCT or function. The uh, y- y- is going to be more fields for the back end, um, and when, you know when you when we talk and so here is what's called the glaucoma continuum. I'm sure you uh, you've seen this. This was put together by Bob Weinrab, boy, more than ten years ago, and the, the whole idea of this. Is that what it shows? Is that you start from normals and you work your way all the way over to blindness. And early in glaucoma, the first changes are going to be to the nerve fiber layer and to the lamina. And then we're dealing with field changes are in the back end. That's not to say that early on there aren't any functional changes. But this is in my slide, so if you have any questions, you, know, you can take a picture, but you know, it, it will be there. But you know, it, early on, you know, you're, you're having these, these uh, both structural and functional changes, but the issue is that the way our tools today are not particularly good early on in, in terms of detecting um, early field loss. It's just just how fields are are in essence developed. Um, Historically, progression was determined by looking at nerve photos or evaluating fields. Now here's an example of a nerve photo where you, you you really can see change and a lot of change quickly. In and of itself, photographs are not a particularly good tool to detect change. Fact is, they're a horrible tool to detect change. Um, the, um, and what I mean by that is there are a host of papers, and I think I have them in here, but there were relatively couple-year-old of year old papers that looked at, at at Wilmer, a very good eye institute, and they showed disc photographs of people changing to a host of glaucoma specialists you know in their sense their ability to detect change was about as good as flipping a coin um, photographs are not a good tool and even when you have relatively small cups and you know this is pretty easy to to see the change why did I put it up here because it's easy to see change this is not how they usually show up you start having a cup this ratio that's that big good luck detecting change That's the beauty of OCTs. Here's fields. And this is Jack Chiaffi's office and how, you know, he used to look at fields where you lay the overview. You lay them out and you try to sort that stuff out. Well, now we have a guided progression. One of the tools that actually is a pretty good method to look at change has to do with Flickr. You know, just, you know, but, you know, it's a tool that we really you know, I've never taken advantage of. But if you just look here and you follow these, these pictures, you can see. Look at that. You just go back. I'm going backwards now. Next one. Bingo. All of a sudden, you can see right at about 6 o'clock, that cup got thinner. And now a nerve fiber layer defect is present uh, uh, inferiorly. Um, those are the types of chain. You can see it's still getting bigger way down there. So, those are, you know, you can, and if you go back, you can see, if you look right there, you know, it just punched out. But those are difficult changes to see. They're not easy to see. And that's, again, the beauty of uh, beauty of OCTs. Um, and then we have ERGs. And you know, there's a way, you know, here's the diopsis system, you know, or the conan. There are, Capabilities to to detect to see if there's change. First point, you know, so here's that paper I was talking about. It's difficult to detect progression with fundus photographs. This is the paper by Henry Jampel. These are very good, um, very good glaucoma specialists. Um, David Friedman was with me a couple of years back here at SECO. Um, But, you know, one of the issues was. Interobserver agreement among glaucoma specialists in judging progressive disc change from stereo photographs is like the fair. Uh, in 40% of cases in which the disc appeared to have progressed in glaucoma severity, the photograph of the worst optic disc was in fact taken at the start of the study. People couldn't even tell what which one should be the first first photograph. That's how hard it is. And these are good doctors. I mean these are very good doctors it's hard to look at photographs Then we got field variability is a problem too so here's a person I'm doing fields these are overviews first second third fourth wait a second looks like this got worse from that maybe that's glaucoma well maybe I confirmed it but then we do it again and this field totally cleans up and now we got a defect somewhere else get out of here what do you believe that's the problem. Um, that's the problem with fields and, and, and field. There is a certain amount of field variability. Now, the good news is when you start looking at a big data set, eight, ten fields over years, turns out everything kind of sorts itself up out. But when you're in the midst of it, you're not sure. Even when somebody has a field defect, and this person has gotten worse, there's variability. You can see that field defect is not quite as dense as it used to be. So fields is, um, so, so field there is a certain amount of, uh, a certain amount of, of difficulty with fields. Now the next question is, here's is the ocular hypertension treatment study. An excellent study, but, so what did what the glaucoma continuum talk about? in regards to what are the first changes that you typically see as somebody develops glaucoma. So usually as you go from ocular hypertension to glaucoma, where are the changes first? I know it's early, I know it's early. Okay, to the disc, the nerve, and then the fields change later. So here's the ocular hypertension treatment study. This is a very interesting study because it shows you how difficult it is to diagnose glaucoma and what happened here you had for the OACH study you had two groups you took everybody that was entered had ocular hypertension had high eye pressure one group was treated the other group was not treated both groups were monitored having fields twice a year and disc photographs stereo disc photographs once per year and then they're said, sent to the reading center Okay. Here is the group that was on medication. This is the first endpoint, the first time they saw something related to glaucoma present, either in fields or the photographs. Forty percent were in the fields, and fifty percent were in the disc. But wait a second. If these if these people were really good, all the changes should be in the disc photograph. And if you look in the observation group, you still had a third of the group showed fields first, as the first change, and you say to yourself, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. These people are starting off, should be starting off as perfectly healthy. Well, you know, I, I um, so here's an example. This is what happened. Here is an example, and this is a patient right from the ocular hypertension treatment study. Doug Anderson, so the reading center, was in baskin Palmer, Miami, Florida. You know, Doug Anderson has been at this meeting with me. I don't know if you've ever heard Doug Anderson. He really, uh, he's, he's, he's retired now. Doug ran the reading center with Don Budenz and uh, Paul Palmberg. Um, and their frustration with the ocular hypertension treatment study was that there was an executive committee. And in the first couple of years, As patients from, so you had 21 sites. The 21 sites would recruit patients. But in order for a person to officially be put into the study, they had to be blessed by the reading center, whether the fields or the disc reading center. The disc reading center would take these pictures and say, wait a second, that's not ocular hypertension. Yeah, the fields are clean, but look at that. Vertical disc shape isn't ruled thin up there. That's glaucoma. Shouldn't be in the study. Kick them out. They kicked a lot of people out. What ha- And Doug has written about this, and Doug has written about his frustration with the ocular hypertension study. And what happened was the executive committee was under pressure and said, wait a second, we are slowing down. We're way behind in recruitment. What did they do? They allowed in a whole bunch of people that got kicked out. They allowed in people like this. You look at that and you say, wait. Because that's a difficulty in, di- in separating ocular hypertension from early glaucoma. Even for the OAT study, they had difficulty. And they let in a bunch of patients that probably were early, early glaucomas. So what happens if you let those people in? What's the next change after they have this change? Field loss. And that explains why the field loss is there. And why you had people supposedly the first changes because they probably were early glaucomas. That's the difficulty of detecting early glaucoma. Um, now, on the other hand, we had the early manifest glaucoma trial where this wasn't with ocular hypertensives This case this was done in Sweden and as hell. The idea here was to recruit people who had glaucoma and. What they did was they didn't treat half the group. The other group they did treat. Now you say, Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> you know. Well it is a little crazy, but what they wanted to do is understand the natural history of glaucoma and they monitor them with fields carefully. The problem is that Andrews Hale, who is the developer of most of our perimeter tools, has about a thirty degree XT. Doesn't look at you know I mean he he doesn't do surgery and two he is um, he he doesn't have stereo for looking at discs so what did he do they used a flicker chronoscopy system to evaluate for disc change well it turned out that flicker system <laughs> wasn't particularly good um, and so what happened here in um, eyes with manifest glaucoma progression the field was detected more than four times as often as the disc and that makes sense but the disc changes were almost never seen Um, so you know but they but and the problem was that they just you know that they didn't even use disc changes at all Um, the um, what this paper looks at the relative odds of progressing by structural and functional tests and The ability to detect glaucoma progression by perimetry versus OCT is influenced by the stage of of the disease. What do they mean? Here we go. Here's somebody early on where they're starting to develop loss and they're starting to develop it within, in this case, the OCT. And that's what we see here that as you follow people over time in regards to OCT, you can see that as the OCT goes down over time, this is the progression, but fields change far differently. So for early glaucoma, what you see is the slope or the changes are within the OCT, and the fields don't almost show no change. So this is an early glaucoma. Fields clean, some subtle changes. We'll look at a different case. Here is a moderate glaucoma. Here's the OCT. Do you see any change? Nothing. It's stable. Does that mean it's not changing? No. Look at the field. Now you can see the field, the slopes going down. And that's the point. That, that This is what we call the floor effect that when the RNFL gets to somewhere around 60 microns, give or take, it doesn't go any lower. It doesn't go any lower. It doesn't mean that it's end stage glaucoma and there's nothing there. No, there's a lot there. But it's the nature that the nerve fiber layer, then the instrument can't detect change any lower. There's glial tissue there, there's blood vessels there, but it stays at about 60, give or take. the um just so here's an example of a patient of mine. Here's the floor effect. Here I'm following this person, and you can see, same thing. Everything is flat as I go out and monitor, but this is the person's fields in that eye. There's still a lot left. So that's the floor effect. Um the um when we look at comparison of glaucoma progression techniques, it, it again it, it it talks about this is another paper, and this is uh, you know that says the exact same thing. This is for the Advanced Imaging Glaucoma Study Group. It's the same thing. OCT is more sensitive than visual field for detection progression early glaucoma, while the utility of nerve fiber layer declines in advanced glaucoma. The macular, the, uh, the glaucoma test um, remains to be a sensitive test, and that becomes an important point. That um, let me just skip ahead from this, but that becomes an important point in that we may be able to use the um, we may be able to use the macular testing, and why the macular testing may become a really important a test to be able to detect change, but we need a little, little better better software. Um, and that's what this talks about, is just this particular paper of comparing the rates of nerve fiber layer and ganglion cell loss. And while the nerve fiber layer changed quicker, Due to the FLOR effect reducing a nerve fiber layer of use through the entire life of glaucoma, this ganglion cell, the GCC, was able to monitor from mild to advanced. So we may be able to use these GCCs. Um, how do you, you know, so, how do you establish a baseline set of exams? To establish the baseline, the first test, do you take two scans at the first visit and set the baseline from that? Do you need to have a time separation? That's the question, and 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 to be honest, we still don't know. Because people ask me, well, if you tell me I need to have five tests, at least for OCT, why don't I just do two tests today? Right? Now you don't you know you don't want to do it boom boom. You wait a couple of minutes. That's a way that probably is a fairly good way to at least get one of your baselines to set it, as long as they're close. And that's, that is one way you know, to look at that. So um, the, um, here's an example of the Cirrus guided progression. And if you think about the Optiview or the Heidelberg, what you get is this right down here, which is the trend line of the regression line. And this is a person that went from 116 and then we lost him to follow up five years later, he's at 99, the average RNFL. So the average RNFL is 116 to 99, 17 micron change. And so if you have an OptiView, you can get the same thing. First question, does that mean anything? 17 micron change, is that significant? Okay. So whenever you have a change and you see a change, what's the first thing you've got to look at for OCTs? First thing you've got to look at for any of device, any device. Anybody have any idea? You got it, my man. Beautiful. It's quality. You need to look at signal strength or you know, whatever index, either for the OptiView or the Cirrus, the Spectralis, the Topcon. You've got to know that. Why is that important? Because the quality of the scan correlates directly with the signal strength. The average RNF signal strength correlates with the average R- the RNFL thickness. Any of the parameters. The instrument doesn't give you a very good warning. Most of them don't give you any warning. So you've got to be aware of it. So if I have somebody who was, had a signal strength, for example, of a, of a 9, and now it's a five or a six, I can lose 10 microns right off the bat. That's just signal strength. So you wanna look at that and that's the reason why, at least for the series, they put the signal strength. If anything, this signal strength got, be- got, got better. So we're good there. And I look at this now, what else do I have to look at? I wanna make sure there's no floater, there's no blink, there's no artifact that's taking out tissue. There's not there. So I got a 17 micron change. How much change do you need before you say this person got worse? Anybody have any idea? It's five microns. Five microns confirmed, and I'll show you where that came from. Here's an example of the Optiview. Same type of thing. It's showing you. You can look and see where the RNFL was. You can see there, in this case, it has a very good signal strength. And you can see where the, the average RNFL is. Um, now here we're looking at trends. Here it's losing one, 1.2 microns per year. This eye we're losing 2.7 microns per year. So next question is, so first I said just five microns in and of itself is, is, is consistent with change. Next question is, what about the rate of change? How fast is too fast? What worries you? Ah, you've got to, everybody's been using this stuff forever. You've got to at least have something of well, we don't, what you've been using. What's your number? Nobody wants to say anything. It's like back in school. So the number you think about is one micron per year. Okay. Um, and when you start seeing, so 2.7 is really, really fast you want it under 1 micron a year you start as you'll see you start at about 110 115 and it can go lower from there um, the um, when does somebody develop a field defect Okay. Got a lot of seats here for you. You got it. Listen, we've been keeping it warm. When does somebody develop a field defect? What? Thirty percent? Good. Mom. You're good. You're good. So it is. Well, so give me a number though. The number Like right, right there. It's looking at you. Right about, so 30, it's about 70 microns, 75 microns. And I'll explain that in a second, because that's the next question. So you look at this eye. This is somebody that has glaucoma. Here we have a nerve fiber layer defect there. We see one right there. Is it cheating? Is this, if you look at that OCT, is there anything wrong either with any of the devices, for example, looking at the thickness map, are they helpful? And the answer, yes, they are, they're very helpful. I can see, look at that, I can see the nerve fiber layer defect there and either right there. This eye has 67 microns for the average RNFL. Will there be a field defect? Yes, they will. This eye, 79 microns. Chances are there's no field defect there. And that's part of, so that's another, another number. I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. But these are good numbers, like one micron a year, seventy five, five microns, they're good numbers to know when you look at the OCT. How about I mean I, I use this every day of the week, but you get a minus eight, minus seven mile from the office, I mean this stuff's gonna be screwed up today. You can't deal with it. Well that's a different lecture. You know? Oh, right. The question is, what about a minus eight, minus seven? I ain't talking I'm talking about progression here. Right. I ain't talking about looking at yes, um, that's a whole different story. What does the normative database go up to for an OCT? Not that high. Minus six. Okay? So the problem is how many eyes you think are in that database that are a minus eight, minus seven? Want me to tell you? Take a guess. You can get this. Ten percent. What did I say it goes up to? Minus seven or minus six? Minus six. Minus six. So how many eyes are in that database that are minus seven? Zero. 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 Ain't nobody. Nobody that's the problem so you know so you're making and so the problem there you got to always realize as you get into myopia change you know you can get some wacky findings so does that mean the oct is useless doesn't you use it it's not very good for making a diagnosis because you can have things flagged as red but in terms of the progression the five micron rule still applies you can still monitor it for change My New York accent's coming out, huh? (laughs) Given the same signal strength, what's the margin of error of the test? You know, it's about five in terms of reproducibility, it's about two to three percent. It's pretty close. I mean OCT is as long as you know as long as you have a similar signal and all that, it's about two to three percent. So here's the point. Here we have so the next question is. So if you look at this and you say to yourself, everything's green, everything's healthy, everything's normal, because it's green. Shaking your head, very good. It's not, because the point is, just because it's green, there could have been, and this is from Zeiss and the Cirrus and their data, but all the companies are similar. You could have had up to four steps of change... And this is just looking right here. That's the reproducibility, the repeatability, and that's the question you just you know just asked. You know, and you can see as you know in different sectors, in other words, it, what this means is the reproducibility, the variability is a little more, but the average is still under two percent. Um but Here is, you can have, what these are steps, these are simply showing steps of change that can occur between 107 and 75, and at 75 is when the color changes from green to yellow. But even when it's green, it could have changed and changed again and changed again, it's still green. They could be getting worse even when it's green. Important concept. And here's the paper. This is where the 5 microns comes from. In terms of variability, deterioration of 4.86 microns at average RNFL thickness is statistically significant. And that goes back to Chris Young ophthalmology 2009 as the reference. But that's where that 5 micron. Now, bear in mind that so people say, wait a second, Murray. You told me people can change, you know, probably half micron you know, let's say per year. Maybe it's not quite that, but the point is what happens if I'm following people for 15 years? Well, that's different. You know, but if you start following people, you have to, you know... In other words, the stuff I give, you've got to use a little common sense. I'm just saying because we're still learning. And I mean, I know it sounds nuts, but I can't tell you the number of phone calls or emails I get. You know, listen, I've been following people for 20 years, and I'm looking at a 7 micron change, you know, and I say, listen, if you have 20 years of OCT to start with, that's pretty good because the uh, came out 2006, but you know. But I'm just saying you can understand when so there are people that now have a decade, and you can see when you start having that, we're going to start to see. You know, we may see some things. Um, the um, I just want to just cover a few other things here. Um, the um, How quick will progression occur? This is from the United Kingdom Glaucoma Treatment Study. What they did was, they did fields. The, the, so the whole, the, this was a project done in England. And it was really done for pharmaceutical companies because the frustration was if you're going to do a trial. I don't have 10 years to do a trial to do fields or even, you know, it's not gonna work. So what Ted did was they did fields and they did fields at 11 scheduled visits over two mo- 24 months, but they actually clustered them. And the basis of this, one of the top, probably the top place in the world for perimetry is the College of Optometry. Um, uh, uh, city university in london david crab who who you know and david crab is an author with them and they've really showed how to model to do fields but the point is if you do fields this is the first randomized placebo controlled trial to show preservation of the visual field with intraocular pressure lowering drug work so comparing it what you know so the people that were on the placebo got worse and changed and you started to see change in as little as 12 months and clearly as far out as 18 months. The problem is we can't do fields every other month. I mean, it's just not gonna work. But, you know, it, it, it is, um, change does start, just start to occur. What were the risk factors for, you know, for change? Well, part of the risk factor was the higher the IOP, disc hemorrhage was important, um, you know, smoking was not um, severity of the glaucoma. I talked about what's an acceptable level of change, and we talked about how that one micron um, m- makes a lot makes a lot of sense. And I've touched upon how how we can how we can how we can do fields to um, how we can do fields to to to. to um, Early on to front load them at a, at a year, at, at baseline, six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And then we can back off. For Humphrey, in addition to the trend analysis where it will tell you the slope or the rate of change, and in this case, so you know, let, let me just finish up with a couple of other points. So how many people here use the Humphrey visual field? Okay, so quite a few. So here is the part of what they... They they use and the metric is what's called a visual field, a visual function index, the VFI, and it starts at 100 percent, and it can go down to zero. Okay. Yeah. Maxie, change because I've got a teenager, also. So if well, I said you got a teenager and they got a family history. And, oh, well, this is a problem with teenagers. Again, the database starts at the age of 18. That's not to say you can't use it, but just realize that you know it may not be totally perfectly correct. Oh, it's pretty pretty, you know, it's pretty good. But the database is eighteen year old, you're still looking at five versus a sixty five year old. Well, I mean that's the problem, is if you start monitoring for change, when you start seeing that eighteen year old in their forties, they're probably gonna show a little change and to be honest, we don't know what that number is right now, you know. So you know, we've really looked at elderly that you're following for five years, six years, because that's kind of like the average, and that's where that five micron comes in. <clears throat> but clearly, you look at somebody who you start off, and if you have an OCT at their 18, and now you see them in their 40, they're probably going to show five microns of change just due to normal getting older, aging, and I don't know. You know. Talk to me in 20 years. I, I don't know. I'm serious. I don't, nobody knows that number because that's, that's, it's a very good question, but we don't know that. So, will we be more aggressive with the teenagers? Or- well, for teenagers, you want to be careful. Glaucoma is pretty rare in a teenager, and you can see a lot of large discs, and I would just monitor. So, in other words, for a teenager, for you to see a 5 micron change in a teenager, um, even that you shouldn't see. You know, not over, you know, not, unless you're following 10 years out, if not more. Okay. Last point cuz I got about what a minute left or so is VFI. Okay. What's your number for the VFI that you got to worry about? Everybody know what the VFI is. It starts at 0 It starts at 100 goes to 0. When do you think a person will notice something wrong with their visual field with a VFI? Will be when it hits 90. So if we go back, if I can look at, where's a field here? If I go back to a field, I don't see a field here. If I go back to a field, um, now there's no fields there. So if I go back to a field, so right here's a field and it's 100%, and now we're down to 96%. Well, they're not going to see anything, but the magic number is going to be somewhere around 75%. When people start somewhere, the VFI gets to be about 75%, that's when they're going to start to notice something in their visual field. They're going to notice maybe their reading speed starts going down. Um, They're going to notice something's not quite right. So clearly that 75 for fields becomes another bridge that you'd rather not cross. And that's how you use rate of change. Pretty simple. Somebody here is, if this person, this person right now is, using, is losing 1%, 1.3% per year. They're 67. They're gonna if they continue at this rate when they're 77, let's say 80, they're probably gonna be about 85. Still should be pretty good, and we still can. That's still at an acceptable rate of change. But let's say this person was seeing 3% a year, then that's different. Then if they're losing 3% a year, you can see that in five years, they're going to really start to get into that functional range of having problems. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So, you know, and what do you do if you see a rate of change that's too fast? You've got to modify therapy. Last point is once you modify therapy, you can go with your devices and reset the baselines because once you've, you know, once you've changed, in other words, you don't want to keep using that same rate of change going back to the beginning if you change the baseline because you start from scratch again once you advance.